Welcome to this edition of the Sourced Week in Review podcast. My name is Michael Crutcher, joined as always by Jordan McDonald. Jordan, welcome. Hi, Michael. Life's getting back to normal. The NRL season's begun. AFL season's now back with us, so getting a bit back to normal. Indeed, indeed it has. I'm looking forward to the, uh, the season ahead. And that's our first topic for today too. We're going to jump straight into the return of the AFL season and only because of a rather interesting post-match press conference after game one of the season on Wednesday night, a Wednesday night start, in which we saw Melbourne Demons defeat the Western Bulldogs. And after that, we had a press conference which involved a clash between the coach of the Bulldogs, Luke Beveridge, and a Fox Sports reporter named Tom Morris. Now, we've got an excerpt of that that we'll play for you right now. We've been talking through the events of the last few days with a few players, JJ, Martin, Lockie Hunter, you know, in and out of the team. Melbourne was similar as well. Is that just normal round one preparation to, you know, be uncertain, I guess, how you're going to prepare? You've got the nerve to ask me a question and even be here. So you've been preying on us the last two times. You barracked for Melbourne, Tom Morris. Been preying on us. You've been opening us up, causing turmoil within our football club by declaring our team um, well before it needs to be declared. Is that the way Fox want you to operate? Yeah, is that I'm what not... you're doing? Is that the gutter journalist you want to be? No. Is I... that is that who you want to be? If you let me answer, right? Luke. So, yep. so. We went in with a plan. We had, we had some late stuff go on with JJ, um, unfortunately, coming out in the warm-up. Everything other than that was according to pl- plan from the Sunday, which somehow you've found out about again. So we need to get to the bottom of this. Obviously, we need to put our hand up and, and say that there's, uh, there's some leakage going on, but you're preying on it. And, and it's a team you barrack for. Your conflict of interest here is considerable. And yet your gutter journalism at the moment is killing us and behind the scenes. And that was just part of that exchange at the press conference. It went on for a little bit longer. One of the more extraordinary coach-journalist clashes at press conference. Mm. Now, my background was a sports writer. I have been to too many press conferences to want to recall it certainly wasn't something i leapt at uh, with great enthusiasm at times that could be a bit straightforward some were very interesting and memorable majority were not what's happening these days though is we're seeing so many more press conferences be televised live because the likes of pay television have got content that they need to show and press conferences have become part of that you don't just switch off after the game now you have the option to hang around for the press conference i don't normally no um not unless we've got a client involved because uh yeah those uh press conferences aren't things that uh, i want to sit there and watch too many too much more of but what did this press conference mean the publicity has been massive on it and especially in melbourne and so and it's had a fallout so since this press conference luke beveridge the Bulldogs coach has apologised in a statement. He has made a donation of $20,000 to a mental health organisation following his outburst. And the journalist, Tom Morris, who most people probably had never heard of, uh, has been stood down by Fox Sports after audio emerged the day after the press conference of him allegedly making some disparaging remarks about a colleague... Uh, among some other things. So it's been a a bizarre time. This is not really 
this podcast is not really about the fate of Luke Beveridge or Tom Morris. No. It's more about talking about what happens when people do things at media events that become the subject of coverage. Now, my take on this is that the only real focus here from a wider viewpoint is on Luke Beveridge, the coach of the Western Bulldogs. What we work on here at 55 Comms is saying what is the desired personality of different organisations and different individuals because when it comes to individuals and their high-profile sporting people or their high-profile and whatever, people will form an opinion of that person without ever meeting them. Mm -hmm. So they will form an opinion of what that person is like even though they never meet them and they've got a pretty strong idea. That's human nature. They do it to businesses, to schools, etc. Indeed. It's human nature. So either you enforce your desired personality traits or they will be enforced for you. They will. This one the other night of Luke Beveridge is a classic example of when... Now, I have never met Luke Beveridge. I've never met him either. So here we go. We're both talking, Jordan, you and I, from people who've never met Luke Beveridge. Now, what's my take on the type of person Luke Beveridge is? Um, Looks like, to me, he's a bit of a hothead. Yeah, yeah. He has made a bit of a fool of himself from my viewpoint because the thing he was complaining of was a story that was right. (laughs) The journalist wasn't actually wrong. The journalist was correct. And Luke Beveridge, in his press conference, points to the fact that they need to find out who the leak at the Western Bulldogs is. Mm. So, Luke, how about you go and spend some time on that and look for that? And from what I've read about Luke Beveridge, he used to be an investigator for a financial... No way. Yeah, so... (laughs) So he may need to go and start at his own organisation and find out what's happening there. So I guess the point for me is um, this is an insight into someone's personality and Mm. you enforce it yourself or it's enforced for you. Luke Beveridge hung a fair bit of stuff out there the other night. Maybe he was upset because his team lost. It is round one. He's an experienced coach. Get a grip. Uh, Or uh, something else was ticking him off. Um, Who knows? But in the end... It was just pretty unnecessary. It sparked a whole bunch of stuff that uh, didn't need to be sparked. And if you're the Western Bulldogs and you're Luke Beveridge, you need to use media well in the sense that media is always going to be there. The only reason Luke Beveridge is paid well and the reason his players are paid well is because people watch the games. Now, if you don't like media, that's fine. You can go and play park footy or park cricket if you're a cricketer. And we say this to athletes we work with all the time. If you don't like media, fine. Just go and play park footy or park cricket. Um, there's only one catch to that. You don't get paid for that. Mm. So there are no, there's no media there because you don't get paid. If you want to go and play in this area, it's just part of life. Either get to know it, to understand it, to deal with it, stay in control or you end up in these tangles, which are a distraction. I don't care what anyone says, these things are a distraction. Jordan, you obviously have a pretty strong background in Aussie rules. I'm interested in what you thought of that moment the other night. I agree with you. I think that uh, the focus is still on Luke Beveridge here in terms of his behaviour. Media is, is definitely part of AFL. It brings eyes to the game, which is beneficial for the game. And for clubs... Uh, it's it's really it's an important way to communicate with fans as well because they will listen they will read it. Um, 
I find it um, interesting uh, from uh, observing journalism in the last couple of years. I've sort of had this belief that you know you sort of don't want to hand a, journal- a journalist another story when they're inquiring about another one. I, I sort of felt like that's what happened, especially because Tom was was correct in what he'd found, and um, you know it's it's funny how it's all unfolded, uh, and less funny, but you know. Luke Beveridge's incident started with him having the outburst and has sort of ended for the moment with his apology, whereas Tom's incident now is has really stolen the focus and wherever that ends, who knows. But, yeah, I think it was disappointing for for football and for Luke and obviously for the, the Western Bulldogs. But um, Yeah, and it's interesting too. Like, I, I, I really enjoy watching AFL. Yeah. I'm certainly not an expert at all. I enjoy watching who wins or loses. I was watching that game the other night and I switch off. Now, I don't follow AFL closely enough mm-hmm. to understand that there's a leak at the Western Bulldogs. Yeah. Now I do. I understand there's yeah. a leak there. And as someone who has been involved in the sport for a while, that is quite concerning. Yeah, it would be. Because that be. leak's obviously been there for a little while. So I've learned because I saw this press conference because it went all over the place. Exactly. So I think it's also worth... With the media, you know it's part of the game. You should really foster that healthy relationship with the media. So if you know if there is a leak, maybe they'll give you the tap on the shoulder first, as opposed to coming at you with it the first time you're ever hearing it. I think you know that's just something you got to think about if you're uh, Luke Beveridge moving forward. Yeah, and uh, good luck with finding that Indeed. leak. Now another topic that we've addressed before, Jordan, on this Week in Review podcast is disinformation and misinformation, and we're seeing now some evidence of the increase of that in recent years. Yeah, so the awareness people have for misinformation and disinformation has actually increased substantially in the last two years. Um, And it's brought content moderation and information verification to the centre of many public conversations. Now, before I go on, I actually wasn't clear on the difference between misinformation and disinformation. Mm. There is a distinct difference. So for those listening, misinformation is that false information that is created and spread regardless of the intent to harm or deceive, whereas Mm. disinformation is information that is intentionally false and intended to deceive or cause harm. Disinformation is deliberate. Yes, it is. So the last two years, we've had issues like COVID, the the presidential election, the vaccines mandates, and now more recently, the Russian and uh, Ukraine conflict, conflict, sorry. So any major news event at the moment, it brings about this discussion of misinformation and disinformation. Now, in a way, what this has, this whole sort of wave of awareness has caused, uh, it's made us all become sort of our own fact-checkers and consequently co-creators of information ourselves because we have to gather as many perspectives as possible before framing and then sharing our own truth. And a story I read this week looked at the social media side of it. So there's the number of discussions about yeah. uh, misinformation and disinformation. So just before COVID really took a grip globally, in 2019, there were about 53 million discussions about misinformation on Twitter. In 2020, uh, jumped up 221%, so just over 170 million discussions there. So the peak was at the presidential election. Of course. Well, big year, 2020, COVID. Indeed. And the demise of Donald Trump. Exactly right, exactly right. So 
we've actually recently returned to that peak now with the Russia-Ukraine conflicts. So I think that's been driven by the world leaders now engaging in these conversations around misinformation, disinformation, um, particularly with the concerns about what Russian-supported media is putting out into the internet. Um, so, yeah, world leaders that oppose Putin's behaviour are seeking to get the right information out there, sometimes at the costs of any Russian media at all. So a few other instances where misinformation and disinformation is being dealt with around social media and on the internet. So a Wikipedia editor was arrested the other, the other yeah. week for spreading anti-Russian information in Belarus. Uh, the Deputy Prime Minister of Ukraine uh, has made pleas to tech CEOs like Zuckerberg, Mark Zuckerberg, asking for Russian media to be removed from Facebook. And then the White House, just a couple of days ago, has been briefing TikTok influencers to help share messages to their enormous, yep. enormous audiences. So There's been a bit of that, actually, from the White House. There has been a bit of that. Yeah. yeah. And so that, that's the other thing that I'm particularly fascinated about is how social media's had to deal with all of this, this moderation, which they've, they've, they've been smacked with this sort of unprecedented event. Like it's essentially mm. a, a, a war or war-related content. Um, and I found it interesting how the different platforms have handled it. So Facebook's dealt with some of the Russia-Ukraine conflict by banning several accounts that are seen to be publishing disinformation and misinformation, and then they've limited several others who have posted harmful Russia-backed media. Twitter has done less. They have recognised disinformation of state affiliate media in Russia, and they've decided to put labels on those tweets so you can, you can identify them. And they've also prevented any amplification of that content. But those rules don't apply for those government-controlled accounts, so mm. they're not labelled mm. yeah. as media. And so, and so are the foreign agencies, sorry, embassies. Um, so as a result, those accounts mm. can operate with, uh, with freedom, no, no issues at all. And I think this has been going on forever in terms of misinformation, disinformation. Mm. It's not a social media thing. It's been going on forever. It has. What social media has done, though, is amplify this situation. Mm. As you say, the numbers are increasing so much. And from the viewpoint of social media, I don't think they ever prioritised the fight to correct information anywhere near as highly as they prioritised one building of audiences, number one, mm. and then two, making money. Mm -hmm. uh, and then let's worry about the other things after that. They've created platforms which it is impossible to be able to stay across all this stuff. Yep. And so they leave themselves a really open target. I mean... We, we sort of look back on the uh, days gone by when there were fewer ways to reach people. Mm -hmm. So, you know, newspapers and radio and television yep. sort of pulled us up. Um, unless you want to do uh, letterbox drops or something. But, you know, so there, there was a bit more responsibility around it. Now we've just got all these avenues, which has brought with it so many ways to communicate. But it's also brought, and we mention this a lot, the power of the consumer. Yes, People feel bold and they can get on social media, they can have their say, they have so many things they can watch whenever they want, however they want. Mm -hmm. They've become confident consumers, so therefore they don't need much of a convincing that their opinion is right. Yeah. So if they think something and they find something on social media that supports that, even if it is misinformation as such, hey, that's going to get a push behind it. So it's not surprising where it goes from here. Only, like you say, we weren't even talking about TikTok, it seems like, you know, that long ago. Now no. TikTok's part of it. The White House is definitely 
shifting its approaches to media by talking to influencers as such for mm-hmm. the first time and is copying some flack from mainstream media for these approaches. But if you are the White House and your job is to reach as many people as possible, well, you're going to look at those different avenues because they do reach people in the way exactly that right. the White House thinks. So where it goes from here, I don't know. With the only rider on that being, it's going to be around as a problem for a little while. Absolutely. Now, speaking of things that are going to be around for a while, reality TV, it is going to be. We know that. But, Jordan, you've noticed a bit of a trend in recent weeks that's worth bringing up. Yeah, I was, I've was. i been watching maths with my part and my goodness, this season has been pretty shocking, to be honest. So if you don't know what maths is, you're oh, probably I'll not going to... the you, lingo. Yeah, married not, at first sight. Yeah, so if you don't know that, you're not <laughs> going to care that it's married at first sight. Sorry, you can tell. <laughs> Um, but I, I just it got me thinking between maths and SAS. It's a show that uh, we watch in here with uh, Darius. Um, reality TV every year seems to be looking for a different way to level up from the previous year to continue to see good ratings results. Uh, and typically, the formula is shock factor. Yeah. So, and that's that's certainly the uh, the ticket. For success uh, at Married at First Sight this year. So it's ratings goal for Channel 9 at the moment. So it's doing well? It's doing brilliantly. Um, I can put my hand up and say that I follow maths through Jordan's updates in the office. So that yes, keeps me posted. yes, yes. No, um, it's been full on and um, it's, it's climax. There's been multiple climaxes. You think there's all these false peaks all the way up <laughs> and I think we've hit the final peak, but I don't know. You never know. Um <laughs> But the the one the most recent episode sort of climaxed with, with a this big nude photo photo scandal where one contestant who is bitter at another has gone through the internet on a on a dirt digging mission and found an OnlyFans of this other contestant right and uh, taken this photo and leaked it amongst the other contestants okay uh, the only two not knowing being the victim and her partner. And it was revealed at the big dinner table, and oh, at the dinner table, yeah. So, but oh. what ended up happening is no one really jumped. None of the girls, in particular, jumped to the defence of the uh, the victim here. And what ended up happening was it'd be a ten v one around this poor woman. Uh, and it got me thinking. Yeah, like is, has the formula for rating success gone a fraction too far? And is it? possibly damaging to audiences that tune in every week. Well, in my case, four times a week. (laughs) Four times a week. There's plenty there to indulge. Well, it's a great point you make because SAS, like you say, we've been watching it. Um, 55 Coms collaborator Darius Boyd is on Mm. there and going well, Dubs, well played, Um, still in there. But you're right, you, you know, Melissa Wu, the very talented Australian Olympic diver, had quite a confronting moment this week where she was disoriented and face-planted and looked quite unwell for a while. She did. And that was pro-made pretty heavily and it was quite confronting to watch that. Mm. Um, so, yeah, you're right. And we've spoken before about The Bachelor or The Bachelorette or whatever yep. it is, how it's been struggling for ratings. So, yeah, naturally you're going to have to keep upping it and upping it, trying to get stronger and stronger doses, I guess. Yeah. Look at it that way. Um, I am still fascinated about where reality TV goes for Australian audiences because we, we've said it before, free-to-air TV relies heavily on sport, mm. reality TV, and also 
uh, news. Mm-hmm. News is cheap to make and you can fill up an hour for a lot cheaper budget than you would an hour of drama. Absolutely. So news gets you there and it, get, it gets, you, gets you done. So you have to keep people going free-to-air TV against the challenges of streaming and mm-hmm. other things. So hence we have a Wednesday night AFL season opener this year on a yep. Wednesday quite unusual but hey that's sport and it's on free to air tv and and that helps people to get audiences so yeah where it goes i don't know with the exception of you're right jordan this are we going to see these changes in the content we get in a bid to keep audiences happy and wanting more yeah, I don't know. I just I can't see the, fo- the 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 formula being changed at the moment. I mean, maybe that's why The Bachelor didn't see such great ratings. There wasn't anything so shocking. It was mm. more of the love story, and people want the cheating scandal or just something yeah. deceitful. You know, it's one of those those um, issues that people love to hear about and watch. Um, I think the the ABC's Q and A show, mm. um, which is regularly in the news now because its ratings have tanked. Oh right. But look, I haven't watched Q&A for a long time, but as far as I know, it is the same format that it has been for maybe 15 years, I'm guessing off the top of my head. It is the same format. It changed from Monday night to Thursday night, but its ratings are now extremely low. But you've got to change things up. I think Q&A when it first came on was a novelty, but look, I have not watched Q&A for so long that I couldn't give... A, a valuable insight on that. It's I'm just looking at the ratings and wondering if they need to have some people sitting around a dinner table in the middle of Q&A and all <laughs> of a sudden there's a revelation. That, that'll get people <laughs> watching. Um, weekend coming up, much for you? Not too much, just a bit of DJ work this weekend and uh, otherwise laying low, yeah. And the rugby league front, the Host Plus Cup, the Queensland Premier Competition begins this weekend. Yes. The oh, I will be watching the F1. On oh, the, the Formula weekend. One, yes. yes. I will be watching Formula the Formula One's Formula back. One. Yes, it is. Yes. Out of me. That's and the mighty Norse Devils start their Indeed. season up in Townsville good on Sunday. Good luck to the Devils. Let's hope it's another good year for the Devils. Jordan, have a great weekend. You too.